48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. Tonight's headlines. The government says it will extend the vaccine pass to children aged five and above from the end of this month. Two inquiries launched into yesterday's fatal crane accident in Sao Maoping. And in the UK, doctors say they are concerned about the health of Queen Elizabeth. The government is extending the vaccine pass to children aged five and above from the 30th of this month. Right now, anyone aged 12 and above needs the pass to enter places like restaurants, gyms and swimming pools. The Undersecretary for Health, Libby Lee, says getting jabbed will help normalise children's lives. I absolutely agree that a long-term effect on the children when they are deprived of social contact or social activities or outdoor activities, that will actually affect their development. In order to basically normalize their daily lives, at the same time to protect their health, the way out is actually bring them for vaccination. This is not only protecting your kids, it's also protecting your neighbor's kids. Meanwhile, health officials reported more than 11,000 new COVID infections, 181 of them imported cases. There were 12 more COVID-related deaths. Chief Executive John Lee says two inquiries have been launched into yesterday's industrial accident on Anderson Road in Sao Maoping, where a tower crane collapsed and killed three workers. Mr Lee said he's very concerned about the incident, which also left six others injured. He said the Labour Department is, along with experts, investigating the cause of the collapse and if anyone is to be held responsible. The Labour Department has suspended all crane operations at Anderson Road. The department will also investigate the use of cranes at other construction sites by the same contractor. The crane's operation will be suspended until approval is given. At the same time, the government will inspect the use of tower cranes at other construction sites to see if they are safe. Development Bureau says the contractor of the Anderson Road site, Aggressive Construction, will be barred from tendering for public works projects until the end of next year. It also says depending on findings from the investigation, authorities may extend the tendering ban or even remove the company from the list of approved contractors. Buckingham Palace in London has issued a short statement saying doctors are concerned about the health of Britain's Queen Elizabeth and have recommended she remain under medical supervision. It says the Queen, aged 96, remains comfortable. The heir to the throne, Prince Charles, has gone to Balmoral in Scotland, where the Queen is staying. The BBC's Johnny Diamond reports. There is a degree of seriousness that we have not seen before. The very fact that the statement was issued um, when the palace is so reticent, really, about making any commentary on the Queen's health, the phrasing of the statement that the Queen's doctors are concerned for her health and the movement of the most senior members of the royal family really quite quickly towards Balmoral, towards the Queen, all of those indicate a clear degree of concern for the health of the 96-year-old Queen. Other members of the royal family have been arriving at Balmoral Castle. The British Prime Minister Liz Truss, who was only appointed by the Queen on Tuesday, said the whole country would be deeply concerned. The Renan city of Chengdu has extended a COVID-19 lockdown in most areas, hoping to stem the spread of the virus. A lockdown in the provincial capital of Sichuan in the past week was supposed to be lifted yesterday, but officials said the virus still posed a risk in some areas. All residents under lockdown will be tested every day. 
French court has sent a father and son dentist team to prison for needlessly removing teeth from hundreds of patients and fitting expensive dental bridges that left many disfigured and in pain. Lionel Gwedge had set up his surgery in a poor neighbourhood in Marseille with his father Carnot before being charged in 2012. They were sentenced to eight and five years respectively. And now the weather. Cloudy periods at first. The minimum temperature will be about 28 degrees, mainly fine tomorrow. Very hot and dry during the day. Maximum temperature will be around 33 degrees in the urban areas and a couple of degrees higher in the new territories. Moderate easterly winds, the outlook, sunny periods and a few showers on the mid-autumn festival and the following couple of days. Fine, very hot and dry in the middle and latter parts of next week. Temperature is currently 29 degrees and the humidity is 60% and the very hot weather warning is in force. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. Police say they will dispose of a naval mine from World War II off the southeast coast of Hong Kong Island tomorrow. Although it's been there a long time, officers are concerned it could still be active and are keeping the public well away. Damon Pang has more. The police were alerted to the mine, 1.4 kilometres off Cape de Guilla on the Sheko Peninsula, by divers, who spotted it last month. The force said it's the first time a complete naval mine has been found in the territory. Suryantok Jinchu, an acting senior bomb disposal officer, said while the mine should not pose any imminent danger, the 500 pounds of TNT explosive it contains might still work. The naval mine has been placed at the bottom of the sea for more than 70 years. There are shells on its surface, which has been corroded by seawater. Although the naval mine, after all these years in the sea, will not pose any immediate danger to people and boats, it is in a sound condition and we cannot rule out explosive inside to work. The force has declared Cape de Gola and its surrounding seas off-limits to visitors and boats, although people who live or work in the area won't be evacuated. Officers said 500 officers will be deployed for the disposal operation, which should be completed by Friday afternoon. The Consumer Council has urged the government to introduce laws on the use of artificial intelligence to help safeguard consumer rights. As Kelly Yu tells us, a survey by the watchdog found a majority of respondents were concerned about digital data privacy. The Consumer Council surveyed more than 1,200 online shoppers from October to November last year and found that only around 30% trusted AI. Announcing the survey results, the watchdog's chairman, Clement Chen, says the government should consider introducing legislation to better regulate AI technology. Currently, there is no specific legislation on AI here in Hong Kong, and there are only guidelines issued by government bodies such as the Privacy Commissioner's Office. Mr Chen says such legislation is needed to protect consumer rights. Obviously, a guideline is only a suggestion for best practices. And obviously, that goes without saying guideline hasn't got much consequences to bear. Based on experience in other jurisdictions, I think definitely development towards a more formal set of legislation is uh, is essential. And more than 70% of the survey respondents said they were worried about excessive data collection on the internet. The council says it looked at the privacy policies of 112 local e-commerce platforms. 
While most of them disclose their purposes for data collection, around one in ten collected data irrelevant to a transaction, such as consumers' income, education, and employment status. 60% of the online shoppers surveyed admitted they didn't read privacy policies or didn't even know they existed. Mr. Chen said online traders have to be more transparent when collecting data from customers. Organisers are still in talks with officials on arrangements for the standard chartered Hong Kong Marathon planned for November. They hope the government will allow 25,000 runners to attend the annual event, a third fewer than their original plan. Organisers have suggested separating runners into groups with different starting times. Quan Ki, chairman of the Hong Kong Association of Athletics Affiliates, says he's certain the marathon can go ahead. He said he hopes that the details can be confirmed next week. We have the confidence that we can follow all the safety rules regarding health protection for this event. The Bureau also advised us to think of separating our runners into groups. We are working carefully on this, and we have confidence that for 25,000 runners, we can follow these rules, keeping them 500 in the group, and we stop them in a separate time. I also already handing this proposal to the government and waiting for the results. Foreign Ministry has accused the Foreign Correspondents Club in Hong Kong of attacking the government and supporting anti-China forces. That's after the FCC expressed concern over the arrest of the head of the Journalists Association. As Timmy Sung reports. Ronson Chen was arrested on Wednesday on suspicion of disorderly conduct in a public place and obstructing police officers while he was reporting on a meeting of public housing flat owners for Channel C, an online news outlet he works for. The police alleged that Mr. Chen refused to show officers his ID card and behaved in an uncooperative way despite multiple warnings. He was later released on bail and told to report to police later this month. In a statement, the Commissioner's Office of the Foreign Ministry in Hong Kong says it strongly disapproved of and firmly rejected what it described as a move by the FCC and Western anti-China politicians to slander the action taken by the Hong Kong police towards certain members of the Hong Kong Journalists Association. A spokesman for the Commissioner's Office says there is no absolute press freedom anywhere in the world and all journalists in Hong Kong must abide by the law. The spokesman says the identity of a journalist doesn't mean they have amnesty or enjoy immunity for whatever they do, adding that they shouldn't engage in activities that undermine Hong Kong's stability in the name of journalism. The spokesman also accused the FCC and some Western politicians of taking every opportunity to attack the SCL government and support anti-China forces in Hong Kong. The FCC has urged the authorities to exercise transparency and care in handling Mr. Chen's case and pointed out that the government has repeatedly told the public that press freedom and free speech are not at risk. South Korea has proposed a meeting with North Korea to resume reunions of families separated by the Korean War, despite strained ties between the rivals over the North's nuclear weapons program. It's unclear if Pyongyang would accept the offer because it's already rejected the new South Korean government's offer to provide massive aid in return for denuclearization. South Korean Unification Minister Kwang Yong-se says Seoul hopes the two sides can meet in person as soon as possible. 
Our government publicly proposes to North Korea an inter-Korean meeting to discuss the issue of separated families. We hope the responsible authorities from the two Koreas meet as soon as possible and hold a candid discussion on the humanitarian issues, including the reunions of separated families. Sport now, and at the US Open, Francis Tiafo is through to his first Grand Slam tennis semi-final after defeating ninth seed Andrei Rublev of Russia in straight sets. Tiafo's win against Rublev in the quarterfinals came ahead after the young American ousted Rafael Nadal in the previous round. Man, man, this is wild. This is crazy. Uh, having the biggest win of my life 24 hours ago and coming back and uh, getting another big win. Uh, Andre's a hell of a player. But to back it up, it's huge. That's huge growth. Um, it's tough to turn the page, but uh, I did, and um, now I'm in the semis. Tiafo will play Carlos Alcaraz for a place in Sunday's final. The 19-year-old Spaniard had to dig deep to come through a marathon quarterfinal match against the Italian Yannick Sinner, 6-3-6-7-6-7-5-6-3. The match ended at 2.50 a.m. local time, the latest finish in U.S. Open history. In the women's draw, world number one Iga Swiatek beat the American Jessica Pegula for a place in the semis. Swiatek will meet Arinya Sabalenka in the last four after the Belarusian knocked out Karolina Pliskova of the Czech Republic. Sabalenka said it was a tough match but was happy with the win. Yeah, I think I started really well and uh, the first set was really uh, really high level for me and it put a lot of pressure on me, on her, <laughs> on her. So, um, yeah, the first set was really great and in the second set um, I knew she will kind of try to come back and she will... She will do better, and uh, I just try to to um, to hold my serve and uh, and try to put her under pressure on her serve. And yeah, I'm happy happy with this win. Football now. Liverpool boss Jurgen Klopp says we have to kind of reinvent ourselves amid his team's early season struggles. Last season's Champions League runners-up are off to a disastrous start in this year's campaign, losing 4-1 at Napoli. It's the biggest away loss in Europe in more than half a century. Former England international Jonathan Woodgate watched the game in Italy and says he was impressed by Napoli's performance. Honestly, they were magnificent. Played with so much energy. They passed forward. The forwards ran forward. They caused problems. They finished the chances well. Obviously, apart from the, the penalty, but they were well organised. Even when they were in the shape, they were deep. They'd break and they'd break at so, so much speed, and the Liverpool players couldn't handle it. And normally, you, you get a Liverpool team which is full of energy and will match you and run over the top of you. Well, a day Napoli ran over the top of them. Some news just in. Chelsea have appointed Brighton boss Graham Potter as their new manager. He replaces Thomas Tuchel, who was sacked on Tuesday. And a reminder of our top stories tonight. Government says it will extend the vaccine pass to children aged five and above from the end of this month. Two inquiries launched into yesterday's fatal crane accident in Sao Mao Ping. And in the UK, doctors say they are concerned about the health of Queen Elizabeth. And that's the news from RTHK. RTHK Radio Heavenly shades of night are falling. It's twilight time. Out of the mist, your voice is calling. It's twilight time. End of day, I'll hear you, my dear, at twilight time. And if your day's been a bit of a long one, 
and you just want to take it easy for a few minutes, here's 45 minutes worth of music from a golden age with me, Peter King, through to midnight on this Thursday. If you'd like a song, it's Radio Pete at Gmail with our first one for you, a hit from Paul Anker. Together at last at twilight When I 
always be 